everybody. It is great to be with you, a real privilege. We are digging into the book of Exodus, uh, just looking at some, putting out some themes in the book of Exodus. And today our theme is experiencing God's deliverance. And we want to get in, uh, we have a lot of ground to cover, so I want to just dig in immediately into some exposition of Exodus, uh, Exodus 12, verse 1 to 11. We want to start off with that. Where we are now, we find ourselves, uh, nine plagues happened. Uh, Pharaoh uh, every time said yes, and then he said no again. And we are right before the last plague. We read chapter 12, verse 1 to 11. This is such an important scripture for us because if we speak about deliverance, we need to see how God has delivered the Israelites. They were enslaved and you can read about that slavery in chapter 1. You see in chapter 1 how they were enslaved, that it was actually a progressive um, uh, process of being enslaved through, through a long period of time. Uh, Genesis, uh, Exodus 1 is actually a long period of time from verse 1 till uh, verse uh, verse 22 and how the progression happened, how a national pride started developing under the Egyptians and a nationalism started developing uh, through the propaganda and the shrewd way that the Pharaoh dealt through the Egyptians with the Israelites as well, that by the time they got to the genocide, they were so indoctrinated that, that the genocide actually happened through the hands of the Egyptians and they thought that they were blessing their Nile gods. So the progression that happens uh, to become a slave. They did not get up in the, the next morning and they were shackled, the Hebrews. Uh, no, it was a progression of, remember, they were in Egypt for longer than 400 years. Their livelihoods were there. They just thought that they're starting to work now for the first time for the fact that they have property and, and that they have the right to live there. But the Pharaoh was dealing shrewdly with them, starting to create um, just uh, being out of fear, he was uh, he was scared that they would overcome and rule the Egyptians uh, and infiltrate them because that has happened before. And he is um, starting a whole process of enslaving them, and uh, that was a progressive. Thing. That's all I want you to know, that the slavery was a progressive thing. They did not get up the, the one morning and they were shackled. That was not that kind of slavery that took place in Egypt at that time. It was a progressive thing and it happened actually through the people, through a propaganda that the um, Pharaoh spread right through Egypt. So interesting to know that. And But we are now in Exodus 12, just before the last plague, where God is now going to deliver the Israelites. And he starts by uh, creating a new idea for them around the Passover. And this is extremely important for us because we can pull this through right to the New Testament. So I want to start off by reading um, just some detail in how they had to do it because it's actually important for us to see why they had to do it this way. Uh, it, it points towards certain things for us to know. So we start off by reading verse 1 to 11. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be the 
be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Interesting that he actually puts time in place here for them saying now we, we are starting this. We are starting now. This um, also saying that he is the God over the timing of their calling, you know, as a nation. Uh, and I, I love that idea to just meditate on that, how God is the God over my timing um, and uh, of the calling in my life and where he wants to go with that and do what he wants to do. So they were in different ethnic groups who so everybody's year started at a different time. So God is actually coming and he's now separating them, uh, separating this nation and he's starting by saying from now on by time, uh, uh, putting a new time in place, from the, for, uh, in place for them. Verse 3 says, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family one of each household. If any household is too small for the whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor. Having taken into account the number of people there are, you are to determine the amount of lambs needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from sheep or goat. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Verse 7. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides of the tops and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they are, they are eating the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with the bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boil in water, but roast it over the fire with the head, legs and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till the morning. If some is left till the morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it with your cloaks tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So God is teaching them now um, how uh, the importance of um, just the meal in Passover. He's, he's emphasizing that at the heart is this meal. Uh, they ate as a community this meal together, and I love that idea because Christianity is uh, we we practice in community. That's why we come to church. That's why we we do community groups. That's why we we share the gospel. It's not an individualistic kind of gospel, but it's an in community. There shouldn't even be leftovers. Uh, emphasizing how. Uh, the generosity of making sure that everybody should uh, get of this meal. And uh, the, we see this in our faith as well, the importance of us being generous and how how uh, um, Christianity is for everybody. Jesus died for everybody. The, the animal was a goat and a lamb or a lamb without blemish, uh, and it needed to be eaten by Everybody, um, <clears throat> this without blemish 
pointing towards um, Jesus, um, who is our salvation, and that he was pure, and that he was um, without blemish, and that he, uh, salvation was for everybody. I'll say more about that. I'm just mentioning it so that you can just see some of the relevance in the scripture. And the whole idea of them having to be ready. I, I That for me, I thought about that for a long time and just realized that how, as part of our gospel, that there's a readiness. There's always a readiness to share the gospel. There's always a readiness to, to reflect who God is. There's always a readiness in our front lines to be who God wants us to be in that moment, in that time in, um, uh, that we find ourselves in. So, so important just that uh, uh, first part to see the detail in that, that it actually points towards something because this Passover meal is going to point towards something right in uh, in the, uh, um, the New Testament and how we live it out today. Let's read Read a little bit further, verse 12 and 13, Exodus 12, verse 12 and 13. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animal, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be the sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you uh, when I strike the Egyptians. The sacraments of the New Testaments are a sign and a seal of something important. Uh, for instance, the sacrament that we um, do in the um, in communion, when we when we use the bread and the uh, drink the wine, it is a pointing towards something, and it is something that came from somewhere. A sacrament gives a dramatic sign or an indicator, uh, indicator pointing beyond itself to some truth of redemption that is crucial to the life of the people of God. When God here instituted the Passover, he said to take the blood of the lamb um, with that, uh, uh, what is with uh, the lamb, the lamb who was without blemish. Because he was pointing towards a salvation that will come through Jesus uh, in the New Testament, who would be without blemish, as we said. Um, he said, yeah, put the blood on the doorpost as a sign that marks you as the people of God. This meant that they were somebody else. The mark of the blood against the doorpost says that you are separated. You are someone else. And I'm thinking of the scripture that says that you are in this world, not of this world. You are a different, a new creation. And that is what God is, um, the symbol, symbolism in this uh, meal that we read about here in Exodus. God made a difference between his people and the people of the world. Uh, that when the angel of death passed over every home that was, uh, that was marked by the blood of the lamb, it was saying that you are now delivered. You, the sign of the ritual was a sign of deliverance, a sign of redemption. And it meant um, 
that the people with the blood on their doorposts will escape the wrath of God. Uh, and for us to think about it, if we read, for instance, in First Peter 1 verse 18 to 19, for you know that it was not with blemish blemishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way ways of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect that that's what Jesus has instituted uh, that God has instituted here in the Passover meal that what it was a pointing towards Jesus who is now the lamb without blemish or defect uh, the importance for us to see is that uh, at the at the heart, at the root of deliverance is Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus. And this is for us, whatever we are enslaved to, and we are going to look at that a little bit closer, but for whatever we are enslaved to, that promise of, of uh, Jesus, he, that is the promise of deliverance for us. So that's a pointing to when we eat communion, um, it's amazing uh, what the symbolism that there is in this, that it actually comes right here from Exodus. After Moses led them out of the bondage into the promised land, every year they remembered this event, how God rescued them out of the slavery into freedom. They have their sandals on, their staff in their hands, their, their cloaks tucked into their belts, ready to go. And uh, in, this is exactly what it means when Jesus in the New Testament gives, um, just brings a whole new meaning for us in, in the Passover. Let's look at that a little bit. He takes, for instance, Jesus at the Last Supper, he takes the unleavened bread and attached a new significance to it when he said, now this is my body, which is broken for you. Then he takes the wine and he attach, uh, attaches a new significance to it when he says, now this wine is my blood. It is no longer the blood of the lamb. It is now my blood. I am the Passover lamb. I am the one that will be the sacrifice in your place. It is my blood that you will be marked by. We are marked by the blood of Jesus. And that is how we will escape the wrath of God. This is the blood of the new covenant. You see, because we are born in sin, with a sinful nature, and uh, we deserve death because of the fall of man. But because of the blood of Jesus that is marked on us, uh, we are marked by that blood. Now, where we deserve death, God now sets us free and he delivers us, firstly, from death. He delivers us so that when we do die physically, we have complete freedom. We are completely set free. We are delivered from sin. I think uh, this is for, uh, for us an important thing to uh, we can get very creative around it, but we must understand we are delivered from sin and death. Sin that leads to death. In John 8 verse 34 to 36, Jesus replies, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave 
to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. So just as the Israelites were set free, they were delivered from the bondage of the slavery of the Egyptians. We are set free because we are marked by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And therefore we are set free completely from sin. That means that sin no longer has a hold over our lives. We can, uh, we can now step into our freedom. But I know how many of you would think about it because it's, um, it's not a quick and easy process. Just as long as it took to get you enslaved um, in certain thinking processes or certain uh, thinking um, patterns that holds you captive, I, I'm, it, it takes often a, a, a period of time for us to to be to be set free uh, completely in our lives we live in a world where there is a, where freedom uh, slavery is a, is a is a is a common thing actually we think of uh, uh, just the sex slave industry, just in social justice. In, in, in India, for instance, there's all families that's enslaved by debt collectors, the whole human trafficking industry. Um, we have in our world today, if we think social justice alone, uh, 40, more than 48 million uh, is the popular estimates of people uh, being enslaved in the world today. And for many of them, they don't even know that they are enslaved. And this is, for me, important to think about because uh, by the time that the Israelites realized that they were enslaved, it was too late. It infiltrated their lives. Daniel Strickland in her book, Ultimate uh, Exodus, talks about it uh, or mentions this when she was working with one of the women or with some of the women in the sex trade industry. She says, I know several women who believe that the pimps and rapists to control their lives, love them and help them. This is one of the complicated things about slavery. Many people who are um uh, in, uh, trapped in its grips, don't even know it. We are enslaved often by global systems, by debt collection, uh, and, you know, wanting to satisfy our flesh. We are emotional people driven by our own opinions or even by the opinions of other people. And we so often um, just want to follow our hearts, you know, and that getting us into trouble, getting us into debt, getting us so enslaved in the global systems, economic systems, and and all the different uh, uh, popular things that culture just uh, shouts at us. We slowly but surely give up our understanding of um, um, just our value system, you know, and, and I think that for us is just so, so extremely important to know. It is a slow pace of uh, changing values um, is the reason that often uh, enslave us and we don't uh, even know that but it is a slow, slow process. Uh, Daniel Strickland furthermore just actually gives a bit of a testimony and she, she says, I chose to believe that wealth meant success and success meant happiness and happiness meant bliss. And so I lived 
as though that's what I want. I was a slave to my own desires. But this is the thing about slavery. Once you've swallowed this line of thought, slowly but surely, the lie starts to kill you because you develop a willful blindness. Now, that idea of a willful blindness makes me think a little bit about how many things are we enslaved to our desires, because, you know, we we need to understand our whole uh, lives has been deeply affected by sin, including our emotions. Therefore, we cannot just live out our lives out of my emotions or the Disney philosophy of follow your heart, because it depends on where your heart is at that moment in that day. And that could be a disaster. And Jeremiah says that, you know, the heart is deceitful. And above all things, and we as human beings, somehow we want to determine our own reality. And we don't realize that actually we are set free from sin, but we are now um, not free just to follow our own hearts. We now have a new master. We are now um, the, our master now is Jesus and we become slaves to righteousness. So we are set free from something, uh, but we are, uh, we are now our new master is Jesus Christ and we are now a slave to righteousness. Now this might think, uh, you might think that this sounds very unfair. How are we, we are actually never free because actually we can only um, choose God's will. Anything other than God's will is the devil's will. You know, so how much of a choice uh, is there really in that? But I want you to think that God is the God who created us. And if he is the God who created us, he knows who, how he created us um, with an end in mind. Um, and that end is that he is the master over our lives and that we will become perfect human beings, what he has created us to be. For instance, if I create a knife, I create a knife with a purpose to cut. If that knife does not cut, that knife, knife is not um, uh, functioning in the perfection of what it was created for. And just like that, we are created for a specific purpose. That purpose is to become like Jesus, that purpose, that perfection um, in us and, and that striving in us is uh, to follow uh, to follow God and, and who he has created us to be uh, because he understands who he made us to be. We are to glorify him. We are to become the fullness, uh, that full humanity, uh, that full human being who he wants us to be. But somehow we we rebel against that and we want to go in a different direction. And for us, this is important to understand that if God created us with an end in mind and that end is God, the end of man is God. Uh, and although the pursuit of man is happiness, we always want to be happy. That's why we want to follow our own hearts. But if uh, it is true that God created us for relationship with him, that if the end of man is God, then the pursuit and the pursuit of man is 
is happiness, then it means that the end of man um, to be happy means to be serving God with the fullness of our hearts and to move in that direction. And that means that anything else that we do that moves into opposite direction will enslave us. Uh, we somehow just think that we must determine our own reality. But the truth is, is that God has determined our reality. He, uh, he is the one who wants to set us free to become who he has made us to be, to be a God pleaser, to be somebody who lives out his character, who reflects his character, who lives in the perfection of who he has made us to be. And that's the only thing that will make us happy. It is not a freedom uh, just to follow um, uh, whatever your emotions tells you, because we've got to understand that our emotions has been deeply affected by, uh, by the fall. The idea is to be transformed in our thinking so that our hearts is changed in a Godward direction. And then we can start to live a more instinctive uh, uh, life according to where our hearts are inclined what does it mean to be an authentic Christian or an authentic person? We think it means just to live um, um, that what comes naturally and say what I want and just do what I want. But if you think for something, uh, something for instance, if you if you deal with forgiveness in your life and you've been enslaved by unforgiveness in your life, to actually get up and to forgive somebody is a difficult thing. It's contrary to who you are and to what your nature is. So you, if I have to follow my nature, I would not forgive. I would not um, turn the other cheek. I would not love unconditionally. You see, we have this idea that somehow in Christianity, we, um, that we are just free to, to live according to what we feel. But our feelings get us into um, into trouble because we'll go in the opposite direction, and it will we will be enslaved by our fleshly desires of personal peace and affluence. You see, it is difficult to forgive. It is difficult to say no. It is difficult to move in a, the different, uh, in a different direction. This for us is extremely important to understand. Romans 6 verse 18 to 23 says, You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I am using an example from everyday life, Paul says, because of your human limitations, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity, to every increasing wickedness. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of, uh, of righteousness. What benefit did you reap from that time, from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things resulted in death. But now that you have been set free uh, from sin and have become slaves of God, in other words, working, walking in the direction towards God, towards His will in your life, you're walking away from death into life. The benefit you reap, reap uh, leads to holiness. 
and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have to understand that if we if we submit our God, our lives to God, if we empty ourselves, if we if we allow Jesus to come and we surrender our hearts before him and, and he becomes the sign in our lives. We don't just, uh, um, uh, we are not just the, uh, saved from the wrath of God, but we are set free to actually move in the direction of who God has created us to be. And, and we will move into freedom. Um, if we refuse to do that, we will be enslaved. Sometimes you have been hurt badly and it takes time to heal. And uh, Paul in Romans 7, we can see here how he is conflicted when he says, the things I want to do, I don't do, but the things I don't want to do, I do. A big part of becoming like Christ is denying yourself, take up your cross, submit your desires to the Lordship of Christ and choosing to follow him every day. Discipleship is related to the word discipline and discipline is required because that conflict that is inside of us, that's everyday experience that we have, that we don't want to do it. We need to work out our own salvation. We need to work out what we are created for and then work that out in our surrendered lives to build his kingdom um, for his glory. It is a process and that process of freedom starts when you give your life to Jesus. And that day you start walking in a different direction and it might be difficult for you to um, rid yourself or get, um, you know, to, to change your thinking processes and to change that enslavement of your life like it took a long time for the Israelites to get it out of their system and they struggled till the end with that. But I want to say to you, um, we have a Redeemer who has redeemed us and we love him. And I want to encourage you today uh, to turn your eyes towards Jesus and that you would empty yourself before him to realize that if we follow just our hearts, if we just follow um, just our emotions, that we will get into trouble and it will enslave us because um, our emotions is tent, uh, is, is, uh, tends to... Um, Follow our fleshly desires. And before you know it, you have given up of your values. And before you know it, you are uh, imprisoned and enslaved by things in your life that, um, that will destroy your life. So I want to encourage you, Jesus came to set you free. Turn your life completely over to him. He is the sign um, on your heart. He is the one who makes it possible. And if you move in that direction, if you give your life every time you say no to something, it starts a revolution in your life, like it did 
with the midwives when they said, no, we are not going to kill these ladies. It started a revolution. And most things in um, wars and most uh, revolutions started with, um, with a no. Imagine if you said no to certain things in your life, if you said no to debt, if you said no uh, to, to, to just popular culture, if you said no to um, just certain addictions, if you said no to that, it will start a revolution in your life and you will move in the direction of becoming who God has made you to be. You will be set free. So, Father, I pray for that for every single person that is listening um, to this message today, for your freedom to come right now in Jesus' name. Set us free from fear, Lord Jesus, because ultimately it's fear. We have we, we are, we are fear in our lives that we will never be happy. So we, we're trying to follow our hearts because we think that's what's going to make us happy. But true joy comes if we follow you because the end of man is God. And if the pursuit of man is happiness, then the pursuit of God means happiness. Thank you, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye.